Welcome to the Rabbit Hole Podcast, where we distill hundreds of books from every imaginable field, saving you time and effort by highlighting the author's key points in a simple, condensed format. You can access all the book summaries and more at blast.com. That's blas.com. The Rabbit Hole is a labor of love, so if you want to support it, you can sign up for our newsletter at blast.com newsletter. And if you're looking to join a curated, high-quality community of lifelong learners, you should join The Latticework. Learn more at blast.com slash thelatticework. In today's episode, we'll be covering Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. Summary For a quarter century, more than a million readers and listeners, scribes and scribblers of all ages and abilities, have been inspired by Anne Lamott's hilarious, big-hearted, homespun advice. Advice that begins with the simple words of wisdom passed down from Anne's father. Key takeaways. 1. Every morning, no matter how late he had been up, my father rose at 5.30, went to his study, wrote for a couple of hours, made us all breakfast, read the paper with my mother, and then went back to work for the rest of the morning. Many years passed before I realized that he did this by choice, for a living, and that he was not unemployed or mentally ill. I wanted him to have a regular job where he put on a necktie and went off somewhere with the other fathers and sat in a little office and smoked. But the idea of spending entire days in someone else's office doing someone else's work did not suit my father's soul. I think it would have killed him. He did end up dying rather early, in his mid-fifties but at least he had lived on his own terms. Two, one of the gifts of being a writer is that it gives you an excuse to do things, to go places and explore. Another is that writing motivates you to look closely at life, at life as it lurches by and tramps around. Writing taught my father to pay attention. Three, no one in our town came off looking great. This is the great tragedy of California. He wrote in the last paragraph, for a life oriented to leisure is in the end a life oriented to death. The greatest leisure of all. Four, do it every day for a while, my father kept saying. Do it as you would do scales on the piano. Do it by prearrangement with yourself. Do it as a debt of honor. And make a commitment to finishing things. So in addition to writing furtively at the office, I wrote every night for an hour or more often in coffee houses with a notepad and my pen, drinking great quantities of wine because this is what writers do. This was what my father and all his friends did. It worked for them, although there was now a new and disturbing trend. They had started committing suicide. This was very painful for my father, of course. But we both kept writing. 5. I wrote down the funny stuff I overheard. I learned to be like a ship's rat veined ears, trembling, and I learned to scribble it all down. 6. I just try to warn people who hope to get published that publication is not all that it is cracked up to be. But writing is. Writing has so much to give, so much to teach, so many surprises. That thing you had to force yourself to do, the actual act of writing, turns out to be the best part. It's like discovering that while you thought you needed the tea ceremony for the caffeine, what you really needed was the tea ceremony. The act of writing turns out to be its own reward. 
7. My writer friends, and they are legion, do not go around beaming with quiet feelings of contentment. Most of them go around with haunted, abused, surprised looks on their faces, like lab dogs on whom very personal deodorant sprays have been tested. 8. But I also tell them that sometimes when my writer friends are working, they feel better and more alive than they do at any other time. And sometimes when they're writing well, they feel that they are living up to something. It is as if the right words, the true words, are already inside them, and they just want to help them get out. 9. Good writing is about telling the truth. We are a species that needs and wants to understand who we are. 10. You sit down, I say. You try to sit down at approximately the same time every day. This is how you train your unconscious to kick in for you creatively. So you sit down at, say, 9 every morning, or 10, every night. You put a piece of paper in the typewriter, or you turn on your computer and bring up the right file, and then you stare at it for an hour or so. 11. I wish I had a secret I could let you in on. Some formula my father passed on to me in a whisper, just before he died. Some code word that has enabled me to sit at my desk and land flights of creative inspiration like an air traffic controller. But I don't. All I know is that the process is pretty much the same for almost everyone I know. The good news is that some days it feels like you just have to keep getting out of your own way so that whatever it is that wants to be written can use you to write it. You look up and stare out the window again, but this time you're drumming your fingers on the desk and you don't care about those first three pages, those you will throw out, those you needed to write to get to that fourth page, to get to that one long paragraph. That was what you had in mind. When you started, only you didn't know that, couldn't know that, until you got to it. And the story begins to materialize. And another thing is happening, which is that you are learning what you aren't writing, and this is helping you to find out what you are writing. 13. Becoming a better writer is going to help you become a better reader. And that is the real payoff. 14. The problem that comes up over and over again is that these people want to be published. They kind of want to write. But they really want to be published. You'll never get to where you want to be that way, I tell them. There is a door we all want to walk through. And writing can help you find it and open it. Writing can give you what having a baby can give you. It can get you to start paying attention, can help you soften, can wake you up. But publishing won't do any of those things. You'll never get in that way. 15. L. Doctoro once said that writing a novel is like driving a car at night. You can see only as far as your headlights, but you can make the whole trip that way. You don't have to see you're going. You don't have to see your destination or everything you will pass along the way. You just have to see two or three feet ahead of you. 16. Now practically even better news than that of short assignments is the idea of shitty first drafts. All good writers write them. This is how they end up with good second drafts and terrific third drafts. 17. What I've learned to do when I sit down to work on a shitty first draft is to quiet the voices in my head. 18. Perfectionism is the voice of the oppressor, the enemy of the people. It will keep you cramped and insane your whole life, and it is the main obstacle between you and a shitty first draft.
19. Knowledge of your characters also emerges the way a Polaroid develops. It takes time for you to know them. 20. I once asked Ethan Kanan to tell me the most valuable thing he knew about writing, and without hesitation, he said, nothing is as important as a likable narrator. Nothing holds a story together better. Butter, I... 21. Plot grows out of character. If you focus on who the people in your story are. If you sit and write about two people you know and are getting to know better day by day. Something is bound to happen. Characters should not, conversely, serve as pawns for some plot you've dreamed up. 22. So aim, but not too hard. And when you finally see the climax forming in front of you, then you can race toward it. 23. She said that sometimes she uses a formula when writing a short story, which goes abs for action, background, development, climax, and ending. 24. The garden is one of the two great metaphors for humanity. The other, of course, is the river. Metaphors are a great language tool because they explain the unknown in terms of the known, but they only work if they resonate in the heart of the writer. 25. You can see the underlying essence only when you strip away the busyness, and then some surprising connections appear. 26. This is a question my students always ask. I don't quite know how to answer it. You just do. 27. Writing is about learning to pay attention and to communicate what is going on. Now, if you ask me, what's going on is that we're all up to here in it. And probably the most important thing is that we not yell at one another. 20. 8. Honestly think in order to be a writer, you have to learn to be reverent. If not, why are you writing? Why are you here? Let's think of reverence as awe, as presence in and openness to the world. The alternative is that we stultify. We shut down. 29. Mostly things are not that way. That's simple and pure, with so much focus given to each syllable of life as life sings itself. But that kind of attention is the prize. To be engrossed by something outside ourselves is a powerful antidote for the rational mind. The mind that so frequently has its head up its own ass. Seeing things in such a narrow and darkly narcissistic way that it presents a colorectal theology, offering hope to no one. 30. To be a good writer, you not only have to write a great deal, but you have to care. You do not have to have a complicated moral philosophy. But a writer always tries, I think, to be a part of the solution, to understand a little about life, and to pass this on. 31. It means, of course, that when you don't know what to do, when you don't know whether your character would do this or that, you get quiet and try to hear that still small voice inside. It will tell you what to do. The problem is that so many of us lost access to our broccoli when we were children. 32. You get your confidence and intuition back by trusting yourself, by being militantly on your own side. You need to trust yourself especially on a first draft. 33. You get your intuition back when you make space for it. When you stop the chattering of the rational mind, the rational mind doesn't nourish you. You assume that it gives you the truth, 
because the rational mind is the golden calf that this culture worships. But this is not true. Rationality squeezes out much that is rich and juicy and fascinating. Sometimes intuition needs coaxing, because intuition is a little shy. But if you try not to crowd it, intuition often wafts up from the soul or subconscious, and then becomes a tiny, fitful little flame. It will be blown out by too much compulsion and manic attention, but will burn quietly when watched with gentle concentration. 30. 4. Broccoli is so ridiculous that it works for me. A friend says that his intuition is his animal. My animal thinks this, he says, or my animal hates that. But whatever you come up with needs to suggest a voice that you are not trying to control. 35. Writing is about hypnotizing yourself into believing in yourself, getting some work done, then unhypnotizing yourself and going over the material coldly. 36. Characters and let them guide your story. The best way to get quiet, other than the combination of extensive therapy, Prozac, and a lobotomy, is first to notice that the station is on. Coughed is on every single morning when I sit down at my desk. 37. My deepest belief is that to live as if we're dying can set us free. Dying. 30. 8. I have index cards and pens all over the house. By the bed, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, by the phones, and I have them in the glove compartment of my car. I carry one with me in my back pocket when I take my dog for a walk. In fact, I carry it folded lengthwise, if you need to know, so that, God forbid, I won't look bulky. You may want to consider doing the same. I don't even know you, but I bet you have enough on your mind without having to worry about whether or not you look bulky. So whenever I am leaving the house without my purse, in which there are actual notepads, let alone index cards, I fold an index card lengthwise in half, stick it in my back pocket along with a pen, and head out, knowing that if I have an idea, or see something lovely or strange, or for any reason, worth remembering, I will be able to jot down a couple of words to remind me of it. Sometimes, if I overhear or think of an exact line of dialogue or a transition, I write it down verbatim. 39. One of the things that happens when you give yourself permission to start writing is that you start thinking like a writer. You start seeing everything as material. 40. One thing I know for sure about raising children is that every single day, a kid needs discipline. So it's useful to give yourself a minimum quota of 300 words a day. But also, every single day, a kid needs a break. So think of calling around as giving yourself a break. 41. So much of writing is about sitting down and doing it every day. And so much of it is about getting into the custom of taking in everything that comes along, seeing it all as griced for the mill. This can be a very comforting habit, like biting your nails. Instead of being scared all the time, you detach, watch what goes on, and consider it creatively. 42. And I don't think you have that kind of time either. I don't think you have time to waste not writing, because you are afraid you won't be good enough at it. And I don't think you have time to waste on someone who does not respond to you with kindness and respect. You don't want to spend your time around people who make you hold your breath. You can't fill up when you're holding your breath. And writing is about filling up. Filling up when you are empty. 
letting images and ideas and smells run down like water, just as writing is also about dealing with the emptiness. 43. It helps to resign as the controller of your fate. All that energy we expend to keep things running right is not what's keeping things running right. We're bugs struggling in the river, brightly visible to the trout below. With that fact in mind, people like me make up all these rules to give us the illusion that we are in charge. I need to say to myself, they're not needed, honorable. Just take in the boogie pleasures. 44. Toni Morrison said, The function of freedom is to free someone else, and if you are no longer racked or in bondage to a person or a way of life, tell your story. Risk freeing someone else. 45. When people shine a little light on their monster, we find out how similar most of our monsters are. The secrecy, the obfuscation, the fact that these monsters can only be hinted at, gives us the sense that they must be very bad indeed. But when people let their monsters out for a little onstage interview, it turns out that we've all done or thought the same things. That this is our lot, our condition. 46. We write to expose the unexposed. If there is one door in the castle, you have been told not to go through. You must. Otherwise, you'll just be rearranging furniture in rooms you've already been in. Most human beings are dedicated to keeping that one door shut. But the writer's job is to see what's behind it, to see the bleak, unspeakable stuff, and to turn the unspeakable stuff, and to turn the unspeakable into words. Not just into any words, but if we can, into rhythm and blues. 47. Annie Dillard has said that day by day, you have to give the work before you all the best stuff you have. Not saving up for later projects. If you give freely, there will always be more. 48. Sometime later, you'll find yourself at work on, maybe really into, another book. And once again, you figure out that the real payoff is the writing itself. That a day when you have gotten your work done is a good day. That total dedication is the point. 49. Becoming a writer is about becoming conscious. When you're conscious and writing from a place of insight and simplicity, and real caring about the truth, you have the ability to throw the lights on for your reader. 50. You can either set brick as a laborer or as an artist. You can make the work a chore, or you can have a good time. You can do it the way you used to clear the dinner dishes when you were 13, or you can do it as a Japanese person would perform a tea ceremony with a level of concentration and care, in which you can lose yourself, and so, in which you can find yourself. What I got out of it. Writing is a creative process that can be daunting at times. This book gives insight on how to take it one step at a time. Thank you for listening to this book summary. To leverage our hundreds of book summaries and save yourself thousands of hours, subscribe to our podcast, sign up for our newsletter, and join the Latticework, our curated learning community. You can learn more at blas.com. That's B-L-A-S dot com.